You're listening to a DM podcast. Hi, everybody. As you all know, I'm still away chasing my dream to be an actor. But in the meantime, I thought you guys might enjoy listening to some of my previous episodes. Today's selection is my conversation with Esme Louise James, a TikTok sensation who's just recently published a book called Kinky History. My conversation with her was a very interesting one. Not one that I would normally talk about, but it was definitely a conversation that I really enjoyed. I know that you guys will enjoy this one again. So, let's all take a listen to the conversation between me and Esme, shall we? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Mr. A+. Joining us today is a very bubbly passionate and intelligent woman. She is an academic, a historian, and a PhD candidate at the University of Melbourne who specializes in literature, and she is also the host of a lecture series on TikTok called Kinky History. Please welcome the brilliant Esme Louise James. Thank you so much for that warm welcome, Michael. I think I want you to introduce me everywhere that I go. That was fantastic. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) How are you, Michael? I'm doing very well. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to be talking with you. So am I. The the pleasure is all mine. How are you? I have had a fantastic day. I have been uh, sitting here studying all day over a pile of books, and this was the greatest distraction in the world. I see. (laughs) I was going to ask you, how was your morning? But you seem to have already answered that question. Um, I'm ahead of the game, Michael. I'm just... uh... (laughs) Are you safe and well? I am safe and well. It's a beautiful, drizzly day here in Melbourne. Uh, There is a horrible rain cloud outside of the window. So to be honest, I'm going to sit here with my cup of tea and I plan not to move from this apartment ever again. Sounds like something I wouldn't do, but all right. Um, My my morning has been good. I just had to get a couple of errands done for mum again. Yep. Can I hire you out, Michael? Because I've got a few errands that I can't be bothered to run, so... You come do mine. Flights aren't cheap. <laughs> that is a good excuse. <laughs> it's not an excuse, there's a reason. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to steal <laughs> that line. That's a good line. <laughs> okay, cool. I mentioned that you are a historian. What is your subject of interest in history and literature? So I do a, well, I'm writing my PhD in a very interesting area. Um, So my PhD is technically uh, looking at the moment that pornography emerges as a literary genre in the 18th century. Yeah. (laughs) The silence is the correct answer. (laughs) I'm just silent because I have no thoughts on it and because I have no no thoughts on pornography either. No, no, um, and that is fair enough. So I basically, really, my my thesis specializes in looking at how pornography started as a genre um, in books and novels and pamphlets. And then my research more broadly looks at the history of human sexuality and um, our experience with gender and identity. They're kind of my areas of interest. Oh, what is the importance of human sexuality anyway? 
Well, I mean, it, it's one of those things that human sexuality is so important, just like eating or sleeping. It's one of our, you know, primary needs to stay alive as a species, right? And so one of the things that's always interested me is that we don't talk about it. You know, there's a big taboo about talking about sex and sexuality, even though it's so important to us as humans. Um, so my work kind of looks at why we struggle to talk about it, why we find it taboo, and how we can work to break that taboo and start building, you know, healthier relationships. Okay. <laughs> sounds, sounds interesting. Personally, I've never really had any thoughts on, on sexuality because I've never really had had any interest in it although i am open to it with the right person interesting so do you think that um when you've been on dates and things before uh do you find that you might want to kiss someone when you become more comfortable with them do you need like a level of friendship yeah because i like because i need to have a, um, an emotional connection first yeah that and that's a lot of people have that a, that's a really really common thing i'm the same You've got to have an emotional connection yeah. with a person first and a level of trust before you start to have those romantic feelings. Yeah. But that's the thing. I don't have a, an emotional connection with anyone. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure that's not true, Michael. Emotional connections can be more than just romantic relationships. They can be friendship relationships and family relationships. But when we look at sexuality, that is when our emotional relationships can kind of start becoming something that becomes sexual as well and that's just a part of who we are okay <laughs> does that make sense yes i suppose it does mm -hmm. normally on on podcasts i normally have a miss ask mystery plus segment at the end but with this one i'm thinking that that i ask you a question you ask me a question and so on and so forth that sounds so good to me i have so many questions for you michael i think you are just the coolest person ever so i want to dig your brain <laughs> Okay, cool. I would love that. First question. Well, I want to know, because Michael, this week we both did TED Talks together at TEDx Sydney, which was incredible. It was, yes. Um, and it was just such an honor to be speaking basically alongside you. Your speech was incredible and it was so empowering. My mum cried. She did? <laughs> and... Yeah, she did. She was, I think she was like four rows back and she was just crying. Um, she gave you a standard ovation. So, wow. <laughs> you know, you were good. <laughs> but your speech touched so many people. And even afterwards, uh, loads of people were coming up to you saying how uh, deeply it had connected uh, with them. And your speech, I, would you want to kind of just remind me exactly what it is? It was all about success, right? Yeah, about success. Ten years ago, mm -hmm. I thought that a domestic life was success, but now I see an actor's life as success. Yeah. So your idea of success has basically changed over time. Yes, as it has. you've evolved. Well, I yep. would love to know, because change can be really scary, right? Yeah. Um, how did you get over that fear of change? Well, many years ago, my mother had been encouraging me to adapt to change. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to. I only get upset about certain changes if I'm able to recognize if I'm going to benefit them from them or not. Okay. So you kind of look at the the benefits and maybe like the pros and cons of different... Yeah. Mm. I, I don't know how to explain it, but I just, yeah. I just somehow subconsciously do it. Because if I can see that it's only going to benefit others and me get, and I get no benefit from it, mm -hmm. why should I put up with it? 
Yeah, that's that's a really good attitude. If you keep putting others before yourself, mm-hmm. you're you're just you're going to be left behind and eventually forgotten about. Loads of people realize that quite late in life, so it's so fantastic that you realize that, you know, so early on. That's such an important lesson to value yourself yeah. as much as you value others. You know, what do you think about embracing change? Can it help us grow as humans? Like, how has it helped you? Well, I think uh, adapting to change does help us grow as people. Mm-hmm. For some people, it just takes longer than others. Some people take take less time to adapt to change. Mm-hmm. There's one person in this world that, that has an absolute aversion to change. Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> okay. Even though he's fictional. Michael, what are your thoughts on Sheldon Cooper? He's actually a very funny character, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though um, he's extremely childish yes he can be carney he's extremely arrogant he is oh do you know what sheldon cooper reminds me of another character we were talking about quite recently who thomas the tank engine oh thomas (laughs) doesn't he sheldon has the same qualities as thomas the tank engine he's childish he's arrogant don't you think Thomas isn't always like that. Okay, so you actually think Thomas the Tank Engine has more depth than Sheldon Cooper? Yeah, he does. Right. Oh, this is this is groundbreaking stuff. I'm I'm really invested in this debate right now. Because sometimes Thomas can have a lack of focus. Oh, okay. So you think that Thomas the Tank Engine's downfall is his lack of focus? Yes, and also getting conceited when he does. See, I've always thought that conceit was Thomas's number one problem. Like, yes, Thomas, we get it. You're the number one engine, but there are a lot of engines that it takes to run a train station, you know? (laughs) Railway. Railway, (laughs) railway. That is true. Now, Michael, do you think you're going to travel to Europe anytime soon? Not at the moment, but England is the top of my list. Mm Mm-hmm. And where do you want to visit in England? You know, you're talking to a person born in um, England here. Let, let's chat. <laughs> mostly um, s- south, southern England. Mm-hmm. Great. And also London. In all, yeah, you've got to do London and you've got to do all the big sites. We've got to do Buckingham Palace. Also, make sure you get some content. Um, I want to see all of the photos of uh, all of the landmarks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And Michael, you do some fantastic impressions yeah. of some of the Thomas the Tank Engine engines, which I had the absolute delight of hearing this week. What was the fantastic engine? I think that I think it was Sydney. Uh, can I hear it? I know. I'm not having a very good day. First diesel bumps me and and jangles my parts. Now you bump me and my bother falls off. And wait, I think these parts might be for diesel. You're so good at these voices. I would love to see you go into voice acting, Michael. You've got such a fantastic range. That's what I really want to do. It's so good. (laughs) Can you tell us about kinky history and what made you decide to turn to TikTok in order to educate people about it? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite questions. Now, Kinky History, for those who don't know, is a series where basically I talk about these kind of lesser known facts from history about gender identity and sexuality. Now, these can be like stories from the ancient world or famous figures and the the stories we don't know about their private lives. And it's fun and it's educational, but it also has a really important message behind it. And one of 
the things that's really motivated me in creating kinky history is that I think by telling these stories from the past, we can finally understand a bit more about how sexuality and identity and gender plays a role in our life today. You know, when we finally um, have a way to see this kind of representation all throughout human history, we understand a lot more about who we are and our desires and our behaviours today. So I think it's so important because it's not something that often makes the history pages, you know? And so when we finally tell those stories, we get that representation. And it was really interesting um, making it on TikTok because TikTok is really new, right? <laughs> yeah. It's very new. Are you on TikTok, Michael? I have to ask. No. When I started, which was in 2020, TikTok was really just kind of taking off in a lot of countries, especially here in Australia. It was still very, very oh. new. And I think that was so special that now, two years later, there are so many educational creators on this app. When, when I started, there was really only a couple of people that I knew and then started to find more. Um, so it's been really special being able to kind of help create that community. Mm, that's very interesting. Do you think that um, education kind of works on places like TikTok and Instagram? Do you think they're a good platform for education? I, th I believe so because a lot of people are very much into social media. Although personally, I'm, mm -hmm. I've never really been the biggest fan of social media. Which is so funny now because you've got a massive following, right? Yeah, I know. Now, Michael, has that changed your perception of social media when you started to kind of gain this following and you'd never, if you're saying you've never been that into it before, has it kind of changed your relationship to social media? Well, it kind of has, yes. I was actually encouraged to join social media by a couple of friends. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't, wouldn't have even given a thought. Oh, okay. So, so your friends really helped you make that first step. Yeah, that's step. right. And also because I'm also kind of a bit of a private person because I like to maintain some degree of privacy. <laughs> That's really important. Already gone so many massive places. Um, it's so important to kind of keep a bit mm. of yourself protected That's right. and special and uh, a part of you that maybe only your friends yeah. or family see. Or maybe only you see. You've got to keep that protected, right? Yep, yeah, that's right. Next question from you. Okay, I've got my list here. <laughs> All right, I would love to hear what are the three most important things that you find in any relationship? Now, this could be a romantic relationship, a friendship relationship, or a familial relationship. What are the three most important things? Well, with friendships, um, one of the one of the most important things is loyalty, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and making and making time for me even. When they get the chance. Yeah, that's a great one. So loyalty. Yeah, that's um, those are the most important things I look for in friendship. What about uh, romantic relationships? What do you find most important? With romantic relationships, basically someone who's loving and very f loyal and uh, supportive and encouraging and understanding. That's really great. And, and is it also ambitious herself? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically nothing unrealistic. She needs to have a, a good heart and come from a good family as well. Michael, these are fantastic things. So you're really looking for someone who reflects you in a lot of ways because you yes, encompass exactly. all of these values, don't you? Exactly. Because if I marry into a woman that has that comes from a bad family, their problems become my problems. <laughs> Michael, how do you define bad family? Is 
it, um, you know, is there like a lot of tension and fights in that family? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, basically a family that's dysfunctional and gets in trouble with, with the police. Um, I'm spreading rumors, causing causing dramas for other people, you know, smoking, yeah. taking drugs, people that aren't on the straight and narrow path. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, that's very understandable, Michael. So you want someone who um, both her and her family reflects the values that you hold. Exactly. Great. What are your philosophies on life and why do you think they are important? I have one that sounds a little bit silly when I say it out loud, but it's always been important to me for so many years now that I think it's become my main philosophy. And it's to never go a day without feeling the grass beneath your feet. And the reason that that's become my philosophy, I think we become really swept up sometimes in being busy all the time and working all the time and not taking a second to kind of ground ourselves and realize just how cool it is to be alive and to be here and to be safe and to be loved. And I think if you can spend, even if it's two minutes every day, being really, say you're walking home from work, something I do regularly, and I will be crossing over from the park, and this park is in the middle of the city, right? And I think to myself, how have I felt the ground beneath my feet today? And if the answer's no, I have to take off my shoes and stand in the middle of the park barefoot and just take a second to breathe and just be with nature for a second. Nice. And to be silly, like, you know, taking your shoes off in the middle of the city to feel the grass, it looks ridiculous, but that's part of being human is to be a little bit silly, right? Well, here are my thoughts. If people find it silly, who cares? I love that. Besides, their opinions don't even matter. They're just words. If your actions are not harming anyone and all they're doing is just being silly and happy, then go for it. You know, that's what's most important in life. Yeah, of course. Now, what about your philosophies, Michael? Well, one of them is, if you ever find yourself a partner, you should not only be loyal, but also grateful. Because if you lose a treasure as valuable as a woman, there's a chance that you might not be able to get it back. Oh, wow. That's a really good one. So gratitude. How fantastic. I also have more. Two of them that I actually came up myself. The first one is, there are many things in this world that highlight them. The exteriors of a woman, fashion, mm-hmm. hair, clothes, makeup, jewelry, shoes, cosmetics, glasses, etc. None of those things matter, not even a little. If if a man wants to look for true beauty in a woman, the only place he'll find it is in a heart because a heart is in possession of her true beauty. Oh, that's beautiful, Michael. And I have another that I made up myself. Every woman should remember this, that a woman's true beauty is not judged by how she appears but by what lies within her heart and soul. I really like these. And I suppose they can they can stretch to everyone as well, right? Yep. Michael, I wrote this down because I'm really interested in it. And, you know, please uh, don't answer if you don't feel comfortable. But in a lot of the research and people that I speak to, I've had a lot of people tell me that people we've had, that have disabilities sometimes find that their romantic or sexual desires aren't taken seriously by the wider world. They sometimes feel like... Um, the wider world doesn't see them as people who would want romantic relationships. Have you ever had any experience like this? And if you have, what do you think we can do to kind of break that stigma? Actually, I haven't had any experiences like that. Oh, great. Oh, that's really good to hear. 
and because I've never had any um any strong desire to be intimate with with a woman, but I am subconsciously open to it though with the mm-hmm. right person. Mm-hmm. Some things I would definitely do with a woman, no questions asked, is you know things like you know kissing, hug, hugging, passion, um, intimately, you know, snuggling, stuff like that. Yeah, that kind of intimate behavior. Yeah, exactly. And you think that it would be a case for you of when you found the right person, just, you know, gradually go in step by step and see what you're comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. That's great. You can learn together. Exactly. And because the last thing I want is to make her uncomfortable. Oh, Michael, I don't think you could do that. (laughs) You're such a gentleman. (laughs) If if I'm spending time with, with a woman, I always do my best to make sure that she's enjoying herself and having a good time. And I think if you found the right person, um, then you can learn together. That's all about what relationships are about, right? Whether they're exactly romantic or otherwise, you know, just taking those steps and finding out. But also romantically, I'm kind of really attracted to the idea of being married to a British lady. <laughs> Fantastic. Is it the accent? Or <laughs> That's one of the reasons, yeah. Uh-huh. And the cups of tea. Now, we were saying, Michael, yeah. that you're going to need to learn to love Earl Grey tea if you're going to find a British wife. It's very important. Okay. <laughs> we can put a lot of sugar in it, but... <laughs> anyway, um, what have you learned about intimate relationships and people's desires? I've learned that there is such a massive variety of desires and um, what makes people tick. And... More than anything else, if there is such a wide world of different things that people like and are comfortable with, it's so important to be really empathetic people. You know, we've got to find ways to understand and be accepting of people's different kinks and and fetishes. You know what I mean? The, The fact that there's so many weird, different, wacky desires in the world should be a point where we can continually learn and become more understanding people towards one another. It's really, yeah, yeah, I think that's number one. (laughs) Yes, of course. You can never stop learning about the things that uh, make people tick. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) There's some weird ones out there. (laughs) Next question from you. If you could give a piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? I would just say something to him like, just apply some patience. You're going to be fine. You'll achieve what you what you want in the end. And I should know because I'm actually from the future. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. You've got a lot of great things ahead of you, but you haven't reached that stage of your life yet. So just keep working through life. That's really beautiful, Michael. I love that. Thanks. Do you think you would tell that to your nine-year-old self, your 14-year-old self? I guess I would. I love that. Now... What about you? Michael, I think I would say something very similar. I would remind my younger self to stay grounded and focus and remember that even when bad times come, they're just times and they pass quickly and then better times will come after them. Exactly. I think that's so important to remember. Mm. Now, um, can you tell us about your future aspirations? What do you desire? (laughs) I have made up a term to describe what I want to do with my future because I found that there wasn't really a term ready. So I have decided that the path that I'm on is called academic communication. 
And what that basically means is that obviously, you know, I do a lot of work, um, have for nearly 10 years now at um, studying and um, at the university and teaching and all of that. But what something like TikTok has really shown me is that my passion lies in being able to communicate that research, not just find it out and publish it in an academic journal for only a few people to see, but then to take that information and help teach it to a wider audience. Because I think that one of the biggest issues maybe with a lot of the academic world is that the only people who really get to read a lot of this work are other academics and it becomes very insular right yeah, it does and it's sometimes really hard i don't know if you've had this experience but i definitely have when you try and read a paper sometimes or um, a website where an expert is trying to explain something and you just can't understand what they're saying because there's so many big words and phrases and it doesn't make sense yeah i absolutely have had that experience and it was times like that that made me realize that there kind of needs to be that middle man right who is all woman (laughs) who is making all of those really complicated things accessible to the public because everyone deserves to have access to knowledge and information and so that's what i want to keep doing nice I don't have I don't have the mind of an ac- academic. That's the thing. Intelligence comes in all different forms, right? For some people, it's book smarts and academic smarts, and then for other people, it's like intuition or emotional intelligence. Yep. You know, there's so many different forms. Yeah, if she's academically gifted or um, book smart, I actually find that pretty attractive. <laughs> Is it the glasses? Ah, <laughs> uh, you could do with a more attractive pair. <laughs> I've got another pair here. Should I swap them over? <laughs> yes. All right. Try Hold that. <laughs> these ones are bigger and bulkier. Nice. I can't believe I'm doing this. All right. Okay. These these are pair number two. Now we're talking. <laughs> I love it. Now they make you look even hotter. <laughs> so if we nailed now, is this the glasses look? Yeah. All you need now is some bangs. Some bangs, like like hair bangs. Yeah. <laughs> You recently did did a TED talk in Sydney, like I did. We spoke about that earlier. Um, what was your talk about? So my talk, um, we've kind of touched on some of the aspects of it, but my talk was all about um, why it's important to discuss sexuality and kinky desire when we talk about history. Um, and I opened up my speech by talking about um, some of the the fart letters from James Joyce and some of the more dirty canons written by Mozart and why it's important to kind of tell the stories of history when we talk about these figures. And it's a, really a case of the fact that if we if we start talking about how Jean-Jacques Rousseau liked to be spanked um, and to do role play and Albert Einstein expressed desires to have more than one partner, we can kind of see that famous figures aren't just these things that can't be touched. They were human too, and we can learn from them. I do kind of have to admit this. Um, this may come as a bit of a shock to you, but I, I do kind of find the topic of Erotic spanking, a little intriguing. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that that's really common. That's really common. It is. It's it's been around for so many years. Yeah, absolutely. It's been around since the um, ancient age. What if I did it to a woman? You can do 
it to a woman as long as you've, you know, discussed it beforehand. You know, if you've got a romantic partner, that's something you can just bring up and communicate. Be like, hey, do you mind if I try this? And she may say yes. She may say, I'm not sure how I feel, but we can try. Or she may say no. And if she says, I have those, yeah, go for it. Yeah. A lot of people like it. Yeah, one episode of The Big Bang Theory, um, Sheldon, um, Amy was sick and Sheldon took care of her because she enjoyed, enjoyed being taken care of so much. <laughs> and when Sheldon found, finally found out, oh. he decided that the best form of punishment was to spank her. But she thought of erotic spanking. <laughs> and when he did spank her, she, she was enjoying it. <laughs> and he was like, excuse me, you're not supposed to be enjoying this. I and love she, it. she suggested that he spank her harder. <laughs> And he said, maybe I will. That would be me. <laughs> and all it did was excite her. That's so funny. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> uh, I do kind of envy him in a way. That's great, Michael. Seems kind of fun being naughty with a woman. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be cheeky and fun. And lots of people have done it, you know, more than... 60% of people have said that they've tried erotic spanking before. You know, that's a lot of people. And so, yeah, yep. absolutely. <laughs> did, did I ask you a question? Was that me or... Oh, wait. I think, wait, it's, it's, I think it's your it's turn, turn now. You asked me a question. <laughs> well, I want to know more about this, to be honest. So. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know how we, uh, how we go away from erotic spanking because what? I think that there's so much to be said there. <laughs> What you, tell me what you think of this. Mm-hmm. Doing like the tango or the waltz with a lady and say and saying something like, feel me close now. <laughs> also like whispering to her mid mid uh, mid waltz. Yep. Oh, that's sexy, Michael. That's sexy. It is? Yeah, absolutely. Who wouldn't love that? Um, a little a little whisper midway through a, a slow dance? Oh my gosh. I mean that's Mr. Darcy behavior. Who's Mr. Darcy? Mr. Darcy's from uh, Pride and Prejudice. I think it's your turn to ask me a question. What is the legacy that you, Michael Theo, want to leave on this world? The podcast, my acting career, and my wife and potential kids, hopefully two daughters. Oh, you want two daughters? Yeah. I, I've always dreamed of, of only having daughters. I never really pictured myself having a son. And if I if I ever end up with a son... So be it. And anyway, I got my last question for you. Please tell me about your times in England. I'm dying to know. <laughs> well, England is wonderful. Yeah. So I came back in December of 2019. So I just got back in time before the pandemic, which right. is really wonderful. But England is a beautiful country in its own right it's so lovely to be able to walk around and see so many buildings that have history everywhere i think that's one of the most fantastic parts about europe is that there is just so much history everywhere that's really wonderful and the best thing ever the christmas markets the christmas markets there is nothing like them you walk around with your like hot cocoa or your mulled wine, depending on which one you're into. Um, oh, and just for like the month of December, um, everywhere you go, um, nearly every town will have a Christmas market where there's, you know, the snow's coming down, everything's so beautifully decorated. And yeah, that's really special. That's, that's, that feels like home. You have to go for a white Christmas. I would love to visit England. 
Also, just to give you a one gentle reminder, my podcast has a strict no COVID talk policy. Oh, of course. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. I think I have now finished my list of questions. So I'm just going to go to a very general one for you, Michael. Okay. Which is what's next for you? You've made leaps and bounds in your career over the last couple of years. Um, where do you see yourself going from here? What's next? Well, continuing the podcast for a start, still interviewing people as I love enjoying it, Mm -hmm. pursuing acting, you know, whatever role I can get. Oh, great. And do influencing part-time. So your real passion is in acting and you want to continue that, right? Yes. And because I love making people laugh. That's so fantastic. So that's what, that makes you love acting, making people laugh. Yeah. And one of my biggest inspirations for that is Jim Carrey. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. He's funny. (laughs) Should I give you Of course you should. I'm going to enslave humanity and force them to service my machines. First Green Hills, then the universe, then the multiverse, then who knows? Maybe it'll be enough. Full disclosure, you won't be there. Oh, Michael, I think you could play a villain. I think you'd be a really good villain. I've always wanted to play one. Yeah, I could see that for you. That's not a, that's a, that's a compliment. I could see you playing a really good villain. Thanks. <laughs> well, Esme, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was an absolute delight. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. This has just absolutely made my day. You are absolutely wonderful to um, speak to. And I'm just so honored that I now get to call you a friend. Likewise. So once again, thank you, Esme. Well, thank you so much, Michael.